Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So we got 90 seconds of Game of Thrones teaser trailer, which means that I then watched approximately half an hour of breakdown footage. <laughs> yeah, that's a ratio. That's a good ratio. Was, I mean, I'm not mad about I it. I mean, why not? <laughs> what is everybody? Your opinions don't matter. Everybody else's opinions matter so much more. Yeah, I guess I should have written down my own opinions first. I think... I did catch myself at multiple times during, like, reading think pieces on this thinking, okay, this might be overthought. Is that wrong? Am I, is that wrong of me? It's, it is 100% overthought, all of these think pieces. <laughs> Who are we kidding? I think, again, we buried the lead here. We, we have a date for this. April 14th. I like it. It's about time. We finally know when the end it's is It's not coming. as far off as I thought it would be, honestly. Like... I, I know that we've been saying that it was going to be in April, but then seeing the date made me actually think about the calendar and be like, whoa, that's not that far off. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> we've been saying that it's been April, but there's like, there's saying it and then there's like, yeah. Oh, oh, no, it is April. Okay, fine. You're not going to just all of a sudden say that it's it's in June. Yeah. <laughs> We are, again, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Do you want to talk about True. any moves that have happened? I highlighted this one, just seeing that Brian, Brian Dozier actually went back to the Nationals, or went, not back, went to the Nationals. Went back on to a, the Nationals. Well, I was thinking so hard in my head, like, what if he goes back to the Twins? But obviously, no. No. So, lots of think pieces, more think pieces also about what the Nationals team is going to look like this year. Partly as a function of the fact that the Washington Post actually keeps up like a pretty good Nationals reporting group. Mm -hmm. And they are really wondering like what the heck is going to go on with the Nationals this year. But have you looked at their starting lineup now after they signed Corbin? Oh, their starting pitching lineup? Yeah, it's pretty darn good. (laughs) It's a pretty good lineup. I kind of like their bullpen. Um, Problem, but the problem throughout everything. Tell me injury this is this is a team this is a team that you draft in fantasy and you're like okay i am praying (laughs) to apollo and to hermes and every single god who has anything to do with medicine and injuries every single day let me uh (laughs) let me sacrifice a lamb and you know burn their loins and whatever you're right. I will say this this looks like this looks like a fantasy team that you would assemble. It does kind of look like a fantasy <laughs> team, yeah. This the Nationals are by far the most interesting team in the offseason. Other than that, there just is not a lot going on. Yeah, well, it's because it's sort of what happened last year, which is that you're just waiting on Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, um, Manny Machado to to sign. So I would say my over... Okay, so let me set an over-under. I would set the over-under 
on the number of years on Bryce Harper's contract at 1.5. No, 2.5. Okay. And you want the under. I don't know that I would, I don't think I would take 2.5. I take two. You want to do two two. so that we can both win at two? We'll take two and, and, and do it too. All right. What about what about the number of home runs that Brian Dozier hits? We just talked about him a bunch. Let's actually tell me. I mean, they they think they're picking him up for the power. Twenty two, twenty two home really? runs. Really, I'll take and a half home runs. I'll take the over on that. You'll take the over. I'll take the under. He's averaged twenty eight over the past six seasons, and he's been in Minnesota and in um in in the AL. So, all right, twenty two and a half. It is. This week on the pod, we are going to talk about innovations in pitcher clustering. First half, we're going to talk about some of the functional stuff, what we've actually been doing. Second half, we're going to try and put it to the test a little bit, talk about predicting saves and wins and see how we're doing there. So take it away, Eric. Yeah, last week we talked about trying to do some clustering on no without any ratio stats, which is to say... Instead of looking at ERA for a clustering analysis, use earned runs. Instead of using WHIP for our um, analysis, we're using walks and hits. Um, and I, the the point being that that makes it more similar to what um, what we're doing in the hitting side as well as then we're making sure that we're not adding multiple denominators which was my first my first go at it yeah. um the clustering i had a couple of different denominators so i mean my thought there i think that we argued about this a little bit and we probably a little bit more argument on the cutting room floor that uh, you guys didn't have to listen to <laughs> but <laughs> I see Michael was making this point that we, for ratio clustering, it's all about the denominator. We need to have a consistent denominator so that if we want to, we can multiply this through uh, the results through by um, innings pitch, plate plate appearances, uh, uh, batters faced, pitches, (laughs) whatever it is, to be able to like, glean some information from these clusters because we don't want to just do this as like oh look at that look at these guys are in the same cluster that's really yeah. cool we want to use this for forecasting and to be able to use it for forecasting we're going to need to uh, try a little harder and um i agree and what's really cool in thinking about that if we can then predict the clustering assignment for next year and then we can and we can predict the innings pitch for a player then we're golden. We are pretty close to then just being able to multiply this through, and then we have our our projections, really soft projections, (laughs) but we have them. One thing that the clustering tool does really well is tell us the performance relative to everybody else. So that is really useful for drafting, even if we can't say, using this tool, you should expect this many wins or this many strikeouts. Absolutely. No, and that's a really important thing to be thinking about. So tell me, what are your thoughts on how we forecast a player's innings pitched? I've got a great idea. No way. All right, go for it. I've got a, I've got a great idea, and it it's two ideas in one. Um, first thing we do okay. 
very first thing we do, pull an Aladdin, we steal it. <laughs> so you're... <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. And we use that. We aggregate. We, like, try to, you know, go around it. The other piece of it that we do... Because um, I think that we do want to uh, apply some a priori knowledge to all of these, um, which is my uh, lingo for saying manually tinker. Uh-huh. We... L- we compare those we either have like you know standard deviation of the um innings pitch projections across different platforms as one piece to say like to just like flag records that we might want to like tinker with ourselves and or we um look at three years three year averages to just say okay well this is really far away from our three-year average are we comfortable with it so now the other question is how do we forecast a player's clustering assignment because the whole what we've done so far is we've been able to take the seasons that had been played assign players to different clusters to say this is how they play played in this season awesome really good start based in statistical analysis etc but how are we going to forecast for next year how um, which cluster these fall in? I have a couple of ideas, mm-hmm. but most of them are really just kind of like essentially Monte Carlo machine learning kind of like. I I think you're right. I think we're stuck Monte Carlo. I mean, behind the scenes this week, we both de- worked on developing our own implementations of the clustering analysis using whatever ingredients we thought. And I think we'll talk a little mm-hmm. bit more how they did head-to-head in the second half. But I found, looking at these, that there actually was less deviation in the number of... in the cluster. If you looked at a specific guy for three seasons, say, there was actually less deviation okay. than I thought there would be. In the in their assignment? Yes. In the pitching. In the pitching. In pitching, it's, I think it's going to be less less so than in... It, it's definitely going to be less so than in yes. hitting. Yes, so I... I th- which is why innings pitched matters so much more here. That's exactly right. And I think that you can you can really get them to squash into clusters if you only pick, say, five clusters. If you pick five starter clusters, five reliever clusters, then the the variance goes like to zero, basically. So if you can so mm-hmm. one thing that I was thinking is that if you can figure out like a tree of clusters, like where when you have K equals five clusters then when you go to K equals 10 clusters, can you figure out which of the five branched out? Yeah, I know. I would love to be able to see yeah. that. And then you sort of run back up the tree and figure out, like, for the... So my vision would be, like, for forecasting, would be you run back up the tree and see, well, is this one a, a highly volatile cluster, like one that splits into a million, or is this a cluster uh-huh. that is, like, consistent through all of the K? Right, is there an ace cluster that just goes down, it's ace cluster, it's ace cluster, it's ace cluster, it's ace cluster. Yeah. And then is there, like, you know, a junior ace cluster that then splits into the, like, um, low low ERA, low whip, low K per nine, and then a Capitian cluster of high K, decent ERA, high whip you know yeah and then splits out yeah i think that's sort of interesting in the the idea of the tree of of tree of clusters i think if nothing if nothing else it'll tell us something interesting and i really do think it'll help forecast with forecasting okay so you want to jump on that okay (laughs) 
I was thinking sort of actually in the in the opposite direction, okay. and this is a this is a lot more machine learning than it is um, statistical. We should be able to figure out approximately in a in a given year how many um, how many players fit within each bucket, you know, within each cluster, and then we should figure out we should be going through based on the last year's statistics and tossing everyone, tossing people in the right, tossing into buckets. So instead of thinking of it, like each person is, is assigned based on their statistics. It's like each bucket is coming up and grabbing a player here until it's full. And then it's like, okay, well shoot, we're full of bucket number cluster number one. No more are going to go there. So they can only go to cluster number two. Then boom, 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 boom. Pick players, pick players. And if we added that into a Monte Carlo and said, you know what? Annabelle Sanchez just ends up in, he ends up in cluster four, five, six. Um, And more often than not, he's in number five. He's going to be in number five. If I understand what, what you want to do, we start at the top and we we there's some likelihood that you're assigned to each cluster and then yeah we but we have quotas for each of the clusters and then once they're full yeah you're just you're automatically that cluster is zeroed out okay so it's just yeah. so that is just just a non-linear thing that we're doing here right doesn't that sound awesome i mean it sounds like a technical thing that is pretty futzy so it sounds ideal for us <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I took a little more convincing before I decided to go along with Eric's use the projected innings pitched. He had to sell me by referencing Elf. I feel a little bit like um, in Elf, where they're like, "We gotta find a new book. What, what is your what's your big idea for like a, a book topic?" And they're like, "We hire someone else to do it." <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that's, it. That's right. Okay, you know, and then. And then that gets around our sort of big worry about, like, what happens if our projections look totally different than everyone else's? They can't by the definition they now. Don't. There we go. They don't. <laughs> we steal them. I mentioned in the first half that Eric and I basically toiled in our own corners this week. And we both developed yeah. our own clustering systems. I'm guessing that they're pretty similar in what they draw from or what what they use to make predictions but i i don't actually even know that but immediately i see that we actually picked different numbers of clusters to partition guys into yes what you so you did 10 and i did but 12. did you do did you do relievers and starters in the same or did you divide them they're in the same they're in the okay same. so i actually did 20 clusters then because i divided them <laughs> okay <laughs> there he goes Okay, so these are two different data sets. So, and when I say this, we've really, to compare these, um, I shared a uh, GitHub repository with Mike and he didn't, um, but he did share two graphs with me ahead of me sharing graphs and I replicated those graphs um, with with my with my clusters. But I don't, but this isn't entirely fair. Well, now I see why your, why like the, cluster as a function of saves looks so wonky compared to mine because you have a ton of guys with zero 
in there. Whereas mm-hmm. I have a, I have a much smaller fraction of guys with zero. So wait, let me just say what we're what we're looking at. We have yes. had trouble. We talked in the first half how we're doing everything in ratios now, because we recognized a couple weeks ago that wins and saves, counting stats that have something to do with the team that you're playing on, that those are really hard to cluster on and very hard to predict in general. Absolutely. So we we wanted to see now is when we put guys in clusters, is there a correlation between the value cluster and how many saves or how many wins that pitcher actually got? Or we expect there to be a correlation, so how strong is that correlation? Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard. I mean, we've talked about this, and I think fantasy experts talk about this. Predicting wins and saves is difficult. Yep predicting and um and then also just like understanding why i mean porcello had a 20 win season a couple years ago that cy young season where it was like what where did this yeah i mean i put it when when he got that one i happened to actually know that he's the guy in cluster six (laughs) so so our value my value clusters run from one to ten there's one where a guy gets 23 wins and he's way down there in cluster six. So the midpoint. Yeah. Like, oh, why would that be? Yeah. <laughs> oh, because he's not as, as great a pitcher by the other other metrics. So what, what did you use for your clustering assignment? Well, glad you asked. I used five categories. I used all normalized by total batters faced. So I used total home runs, faced. earned runs, walks, hits and strikeouts and for hits i took out all the home runs so it's only singles doubles triples all right and so what i did was i just used the five standard scoring categories and um where they weren't already in a innings pitched (laughs) oh interesting medium um i then um i'm seeing error i don't know what happened there um where they weren't already in an innings pitched medium, I put them into innings pitched. So it's K per innings pitched, wins per innings pitched, saves per innings pitched. And then it's ERA and whip, which, mm-hmm. you know, both essentially have innings pitched as a denominator. I think so. My vision for this was I, I kind of like, I kind of, I like that we approached it from two sort of ideological points. So you approached it from a fantasy ideological i want to project yep. these five categories so i want to actually look at the dependence and i approached it from a i want to divorce myself entirely understand the yeah pictures. i want to look at the underlying things and try and figure out what's going on there and i want to keep this in fantasy baby i understand it's hard if if yeah people have different leagues like where losses count or home runs against count but you know we could redo the analysis if anybody is specifically looking for basically yeah i mean i think i think we basically learned that you have to and these are pretty fast so it's not impossible to do that my vision wasn't necessarily that i was trying to replicate real baseball i was just trying to make the vectors as orthogonal as possible and then did you and you, you did or you did normalize those or scale those stats? To total batters faced, so they're ratios. Right, yeah. so you did those to totals batters faced, but then did you scale... Um, yes. Did you then scale those uh, distributions? Yes. Yep. Okay. 
for each factor. Okay. I mean, you pretty much have to, right? The 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 idea. I think we've talked about this before, but the idea behind the the scaling is that you want you you want your dynamic range in each of the categories to be the same. We then tested this against. This is interesting because I then I wanted to basically go in and blind test this now against two two stats that I didn't try to predict that I didn't try to cluster on at all, and. Mm-hmm. So then I tested the value clusters versus wins, and I see eh, pretty much the weakest dependence possible. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the 10 cluster goes from, if you look at the number of wins, goes from 7 wins all the way up to 22. So basically you could still be a 10 in the 10 cluster, in the ace cluster, and only get 7 wins in a season, which is a drag. And... Jacob the opposite, that's true. The opposite of that is that you could be in the one cluster, just atrocious guys that there's no reason you should own in fantasy, and you could still get 13 wins. But we know I this, know, right? I know, but, but that says that we have a huge problem with this prediction. Well, that, we, that, that predicting wins and saves is, therefore... <laughs> Not the number one thing that we have to do or worry about because it's going to be inaccurate. Now, I will say, though, looking at yours, you did a better job based on clustering on wins. Since you had wins in in there as a clustering metric, you actually did a better job of saying, of sussing it out in the sense that you kept out the the guys in the bad clusters, the ones that we don't actually want to own, that we know that we don't want to own. You actually kept them from reaching more than eight wins right yep and yeah no i exactly. mean you your distribution peaks in the middle in the sense that your clusters your, your clusters run run from one to ten and your clusters from six to eight are have the highest <laughs> win share yeah those are the those are basically the um where the lion's share of the pitchers and starting pitchers end up falling in the, in the so clusters. all that says to me from from your distribution, which is frankly more instructive for forecasting wins, is that if you really want to go with wins, it's a volume thing. It's not a individual prediction thing. Once you get above some plateau yeah. in pitcher quality, like don't just start don't just start anybody. But if you want to get wins, then you have to get um, <laughs> it's volume, and then it's also just avoiding the, and then it's therefore avoiding the guys who are you know, not ownable. And that's when I was starting to look at the clusters. It was like, okay, all right, I see it. I see where the cluster is. It's cluster number six. These go from zero to 12. Cluster number six is where the borderline cases are, where it's like, this guy could be on the, at the back end of my roster and might be worthwhile having. <laughs> These are the guys that are on the back end of your your roster. And every once in a while, you're like, oh, you're pitching against the Mar- Marlins. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. Let's do That's it. That's exactly right. Okay, you about ready to wrap this sucker up? Yes, I am ready to wrap this up. We are getting very close to when the Star Wars hype machine traditionally starts up for a new movie. Two years ago, yeah, we are. January twenty third was the announcement date for the title of season of season of episode eight. So. Assuming that this follows the same cadence, we're probably about a week away from when they might announce the title for Episode Nine. I'm excited. I, as much as I am really down on Star Wars right now, um, I, I'm excited. 
So in a world where we have infinite time, I think you could actually set up some pretty cool and advanced machine learning to try and guess what the title is going to be because people have already observed that the title is often drawn from the opening crawl of a previous movie. Or you're learning a little bit about the phrases yeah. that exist in the in the world of Star Wars from the opening crawl and from things that people say. So something like a movie that we might talk about very soon, like Revenge of the Sith, is going to appear in an opening crawl. Or Return of the Jedi is a phrase that might appear in the opening crawl or Empire Strikes Back. Right. So, right, right, so right. the idea now is, are there any possible titles that we saw in a previous crawl that could lead us to this do you have a favorite from this article that i sent you <laughs> no i don't have a favorite but i've got a dark okay, horse go for it. it's the first word in the crawl for revenge of the sith war <laughs> episode nine war <laughs> yeah um i actually of the of the titles in this article i do not like the Knights of Ren and the Ashes of the Empire sounds like it has one extra word. Um, the Rising Tyranny and A Spark of Hope both both feel right. A Spark of Hope would A Spark of, of Hope would be interesting, but ah man, A New Hope, A Spark of Hope, you know, that's that that's very Star Wars. Might come up with anything original when you could. I mean, like they have from... clearly proven that in their stewardship of Star Wars, that they're not going to come up with anything new. <laughs> no, I, I, Which well, you because you said that you dislike the Knights of Ren and the Ashes of the Empire, I'm pretty sure it's going to be similar to one of those two. <laughs> one of those two. Okay, so you want to take those two? I'll take the <laughs> sounds, other two. The Rising Two sounds good to me, and it's this is this is like closer wins. Man, what I would. I could see rising tyranny. Just know the. I know. Just... I know. I would say basically. I would say that this bet comes down to: are the words knights, wren, or empire in the title? Ooh, ashes. Okay, so it's like knights, wren, ashes, empire versus the field. Well, <laughs> I'll take. Yeah, wait, there are really three because if it's those, and then I've got spark, hope, rising, and tyranny. And then it's the field. Yeah, basically field as we both lose. If we both lose, <laughs> okay, I that's a good bet. I actually feel pretty good about that bet. The review session, Revenge of the Sith. Is my is this just my old age or what? Because I liked this movie much more than I thought I would. You liked it now much more than you thought you would. Yes. Man, it just felt like I had watched this a billion times. I agree. I mean, I knew I knew all the spots. I knew exactly what was going to happen. It's not like this is ever that that it was ever that far from my mind, but considering it as a whole again, like okay, I actually like this. And maybe it's just that we've had episode 7 and 8 and solo. <laughs> and I... I mean, the big thing with the the big thing with this movie isn't the content it's the um you know it's the it's a possibility it's that's the only thing that i would say the the movie gets wrong is it's just like there's so many beats where it's like 
you've done a lot. It looks really cool. You've got the general storyline. I like if you think about this in like just a flow chart of this. This is a really cool yeah. movie. And then you have these lines that are like, we're coming in too hot. It's like, you know, only a Sith deals in absolutes. And it's just like, guys, we can't. It's I'm so ready to have like, you know, like a little tingly feeling like the reminiscence or yeah. the the um, or the like excitement. Uh, and it's just like and I'm like rolling my eyes like, oh, you know, come on. <laughs> OK. All right. I mean, I will see you that the dialogue is not the strong suit of this movie, of course. But the spectacle, I feel like by the episode three, great. they'd actually figured out what they needed to not do that they had done in one and two mm-hmm. and what they, what they actually mm-hmm. did need to do with their newfound CGI powers. <laughs> so the, yeah, what they could do that was in keeping with what the movies are. And one thing that's sort of the hard part about this movie is it's both geared to kids and it's also um, really, really dark. You know, you had that scene like the buzz droid, scene the bu- the buzz droid scene at the beginning of the movie and it's like that's aimed at kids yep. then you have the like choking your wife yep. who's pregnant in a fit of rage at the end of the movie and you're like i know i thought kids. i was like just it, it really hit me this time like whoa that's a dark thing but the- hashtag <laughs> me too the count dooku lightsaber battle fantastic that's a that's a fantastic lightsaber battle the can't do it's good it's just like a nice little it's a nice short I mean, one very direct they have the little like the little camera bumps that are kind of fun that makes it almost feel like it's real i wish that those droids weren't in there and the, yeah but other than that i mean it's 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 all there all right so what are we doing this week what do you think about watching the fifth element i can't say no how could you I gave you a... Who knew that Bruce Willis was going to appear twice? From basically the same era. <laughs> yeah. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.